Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Now here's Pastor Marco De Barros. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read seven verses this morning from Luke 15. If you don't have it, we have a giant Bible behind me uh, that you can follow along. But it's coming from Luke 15. Are you there? Luke 15. Are you there? Awesome. Luke 15, chapter 15, verse 1. Tax collectors. Remember last week? Zacchaeus, IRS, tax collector. And other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, haters. Haters going to hate. And Jesus is going to teach. Even eating with them, they said. Why is Jesus hanging out with these people? You need to pray for Jesus. Remember that last week? Verse 3. So Jesus told them this story. Jesus loved to tell stories to illustrate his points. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness And go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, that's reason to celebrate this morning. I actually want to title this message, It's a Party. It's a Party. You know, it's very unfortunate that a lot of times in the church, a lot of times when it comes to church, it's unfortunate that we don't associate God with parties. I think it's very unfortunate that we, we sometimes you would go, you go to church is more like a funeral than it is a celebration. Come on, you ever been to church and you're like, who died? They're like, no one died. It's just church. Like, I don't know where we got this concept that, that, that church and God should be about death and boring and, 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 and irrelevant and, 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 and no life. Right? One thing that we have to fight really hard for us in this region is refuse to be a church that's going to be boring. Refuse to be a church that's going to be dull. Refuse to be a church that's just going to be a cemetery for people who haven't died yet. Is anybody still alive? You still got some life in you. I love that about Jesus. Jesus loved to tell stories because stories are fun, right? Stories are awesome, right? To illustrate his points. And, and these stories, now we call them parables. The reason why we call them parables is because it's stories that are filled with deeper meanings in them. It's like, for example, this particular situation, he takes this moment to teach something deep because people are getting the wrong concept and idea of what he's all about. Just like most people have a misconception what church is all about. Right? And, 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 and it's 
And it's a dangerous thing when church becomes just a traditional thing. Right? Some people will literally wake up this morning and go to a building but not ask the question, why am I here? And we keep doing it. And we, the, the worst part is, is when we keep doing it and then we think that that's what God is. God is this person that I go to pay dues to every single Sunday. And then the rest of my life is whatever I want it to be. But when I'm in trouble, I call on this person that throws out funerals on the weekends. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? That's the, that's the misconception of church. Because when I read about Jesus, I read about life. And here he is once again trying to help us make sense of why he came and what's the point of why we gather in the first place. And he's got these two groups of people. Two sides. On one side, he's got Mayweather, and the other side, he's got McGregor. No, I'm just... Uh, <laughs> he's got, there, there's a fight going on, right? Just like last night, some of y'all were rooting for, you know, and some of you guys were rooting for, you know, and we all lost. We all lost once again. We all the suckers that stayed up that late to watch that thing, Okay. That's a story for another time. But, but here we are in this, in this situation where there, there's a crowd, right? But the crowd is divided. There's a religious crowd. And then the Bible says there's a crowd of sinners, which is really funny because aren't we all? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but there's these two sides, and they're, 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 they want Jesus' attention. But some of them are saying, uh, why do you hang out with them? Which is always a dangerous thing when religious becomes about me versus you. Because God doesn't have a side. We want God to pick a side. Because we like sides. Right? But, but, but God doesn't have a side. God is on the side of humanity. Right? God is on the side of humanity. Like, God is not Republican. Which shocks a lot of people. And God's not Democrat. Which also shocks a lot of people. Right? But we, we love sides because we're biased people. We love to take sides. We want to pick a side. Pick a side. I just want you to pick a side. But Jesus is saying, like, wait, can I just tell you something here? Can I tell you a story to show you the bigger picture here? That I'm not about this side or that side. That actually, see, a lot of times we read this wrong. We think Jesus is, is against the Pharisees. I don't think Jesus is against the Pharisees. I think Jesus is against some of the things they stand for. But Jesus is for people. Right? How do we know that? Because one of the greatest messages he ever preached was to a Pharisee named Nicodemus. It was the Pharisee that he told Nicodemus, God loves the world, that he gave his one and only son. That was a Pharisee that he, that he was speaking to. So he's not against them. He's against some of the things that we stand for that keeps us away from God's will. Can you say amen? And in this situation, he, he tells three stories to illustrate God's heart for people. He starts with the story of the lost sheep. And then he tells you a story about a woman that had 10 coins and lost one and flipped the house upside down to find that one coin. And then he goes on to tell you the story that we all know. If you have never been to church, you've heard the story of the prodigal son. Right? The, the son that told his father, I want my inheritance. I want to go and live my life. Which in that context, in Jesus' time, when you tell your, your living father you want his inheritance, it's like saying, I, I wish you were dead. Because I want to go live my life. I want to go do my own thing. And, and he goes, and you know the rest of the story. He spends it on wild living. That's what the word prodigal means, wasteful. He wasted his youth. He's wasted his energy and his, and his money. And he comes back home, and the father embraces him still. Jesus is telling three stories to illustrate the heart of God for people. 
Like that, that he loves people and he's for people and that he will continuously to relentlessly pursue people. Not an agenda, not an institution, not an organization, but people. This is why the church is called the living body. It's people, not an organization, not an institution, not some kind of policies that we have. No, it's people. Can you say amen? And what's interesting is in all three stories, he's making one point. God loves people, and when people turn to him, there's a party. We throw parties for many reasons. Like today, there might be dedication parties. I don't know. You know, if you guys are wondering, Ms. L's address is... No, I'm just <laughs> uh, <laughs> might be a party. You might, you, might, you might stop by, and there's a dedication party. Some of you guys, you may have a birthday party going on today. Maybe you have a bar mitzvah going on today. Like this, we have many, many reasons to throw parties. God throws parties when someone turns to him. Like, that's awesome. Like, Jesus said, there's more joy in heaven over one person. One so think about it. Today, we're baptizing, what is it, 22 people, 23 people, second service. There's a huge party going up in heaven today because people are turning to God, which tells you, if you're paying attention, what God cares about. It's the only thing that he cares about is people turning to him. Right? It's people getting their lives right with him again. Like that, that's the whole reason Jesus came and he's trying to tell the Pharisees, you can have religion but miss people. You can have religion and miss the heart of God. Some of the meanest people you will ever meet are religious people. Hello, somebody. Right? Because it's not about religion, it's about people. You'd be surprised how many churches will, will clean up and dust up and do everything, but then miss the people that they did it for. Once in a while, I tell the ministry teams, remember, why do we do all of this? It's to connect with people. It's not just to put on a front. It's not just to have a little cute thing. Like, what is the point of having beautiful, polished doctrines, but not reach anybody? What would be the point to have nights of hope and just be about us? What would be the point to, to buy a building and then just keep it to ourselves? What would be the point, church, if it's not to reach more people for the glory of Jesus Christ? Like, religion is pointless to me if it's not reaching one more person. And that's what Jesus is trying to say to these people. God loves people and he relentlessly pursues them with grace and love and he throws parties when you turn to him i want to present to you this morning that we should have more parties matter of fact i think we should add a new theme of parties we should be call it born again parties like you have your birthday celebration you should have a spiritual birthday celebration every single year that you've given your life to jesus because your first birthday is very important you know you wouldn't be here but the second one is even more important for where you're going and what your life is all about. So I, I, I'm praying we start getting invitation cards saying, come to my spiritual birthday party. Come on, somebody. We ought to celebrate life. 
How awesome would it be to have your friends come to your spiritual celebration party and then tell them why you're celebrating and be able to tell them about the love of Jesus that has changed you, that has rescued you, that has healed you, that has restored you, that has made you a new person. Now that would be a party. That would be a party worth having. And people can walk away feeling like, man, I went to a party and I knew exactly why I was there. As opposed to I went to a party, I don't remember a thing. The day after, hello, somebody. I know we're in church. Don't be playing like you've never been to a party. And the next day you were like, I, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what happened. I remember going. And then, after, okay, y'all are going to play that religious card on. Okay. Don't be lying to me. No, we're in church. But he throws a party because, please get this, people are God's most prized possession. It's what he cares about. It's people. A lot of times in life, we get caught up in so many things. But at the end of the day, people are God's most prized possession. And the Bible says, we all, not some, he said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Interesting, throughout scriptures, God likes to illustrate his point by comparing people with sheep. The sheep and shepherd. Why? Because in that, in that context, that was a way of life that everybody would understand, would relate to. That every sheep needs a shepherd to guide them, right? And every shepherd would have a rod and a staff. The, 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 the staff is to guide. The rod was sometimes to correct to make sure the sheep was staying focused. Which, by the way, it's not really a compliment. Because sheep are not the smartest animal like, I don't know if you ever study sheep. They're not very smart. Sheep have a tendency to do this. Like, going this way, a sheep would just be like, um. <laughs> Like, you know what sheep, if you, don't, if, you, if you have a sheep next to the body of water, he'll keep walking into the body of water, not realizing that his own wool will we'll, we'll, we'll sink him. But he's just thinking, water. <laughs> and he just goes along. And the shepherd has to come and, no, come this way. Right? And so, and so he's illustrating that without God, we have a tendency to. What a. Right? We have a tendency to do that. I've told you that it's not necessarily things that look bad that keeps us from God. It's the good things that we think we can do without God. Right? And so here are a group of religious people that are thinking they already have it figured out because they're keeping all the religious laws. But if they were really keeping all the religious laws, their hearts would be breaking for those who are away from God. Let me put this disclaimer in there. The longer you are in church, the more you run the danger of becoming a Pharisee. The longer you are in church, the more you think your self-righteous got you there. And we forget that if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would be doing what a... Come on, talk to me. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we will all go astray. Now, we all go astray differently. Some of us go astray buck wild. Some of us go astray quietly. But the tendency is to think, just because I didn't go astray, you do what you did doesn't mean you didn't go astray. Like you could be in church and go astray. That's the third story. I don't know if you caught the third story. The story of the prodigal son, a lot of people miss it. It's about two sons. 
We all focus on the one that went astray, but the one that was in the house was lost. You could be in the, lo- in the house and be lost. Hello, somebody. Like you could be in the middle of all this and still be lost and not knowing why you were there in the first place. That's more dangerous, I think, in my opinion. To be in it, but it's not getting on you. So Jesus is telling the story to say, listen, Pharisees, you don't understand it. You're the, you're, you're the oldest in the story. You didn't go anywhere, but your heart did. They went astray, and we're trying to bring them back. But you guys are in the house, and you're missing the point of why you are in the house in the first place. Because if you read the heart, the heart was in the right place. Your heart would be for them to bring them into the house, not keep them away from the house. It would be a shame if we stop reaching people. It would be a shame if we get to the point that we feel like, I'm all set. Because then we lost the heart of God. We lost reasons to throw parties. No one likes a grumpy saint. No one likes a crusty saint. And no one likes a dusty saint. All they do is (coughs) cough. Old theologies, old stuff, nothing new, nothing fresh that God is doing. God didn't stop working. God is still working. God is still active in our lives. I'm not a fan of the testimonies of, I remember way back in the day. Wait, did God stop working? Because I believe God is still very active. Now, he may not work the way you think he ought to work, but God is still working. He's still changing lives. He's still healing. He's still restoring. You just need to put your eyes of faith and and grace to see that God is very active. He may not do it the way you want him to do it. It's one of the biggest challenges to live in a religious society. Because we don't do it the way someone else does it, so all of a sudden they want to label you. People have called us cults. But I'm like, man, if you only knew the definition of a cult, you might be in one. Because cult is a perversion of Christianity. And if you look at our doctrine, I'm pretty sure we're not a perversion of Christianity. Now, we may not be your cup of tea. But religion loves to label people. We have to be very careful. The longer you are in church, the more prone you are to become religious. Self-righteous. I made it here. But the story is about both. He starts with the sheep. He goes to the coin and he goes to the sons and to say, listen, the grace of God is for both. The father, which is a representation of God in the story, says, you've been with me all along. Don't you know I love you as much as I love your son? But but your, your your younger brother was lost. Now, make this more practical, because a lot of times we need to make it practical. If you have two sons, and one of them goes astray and lives a life that you didn't want him to live in the first place, wouldn't you be doing everything you can to rescue your son? But that's the story of humanity in Jesus' eyes. We all have gone astray. One of the things that burns me up is when I hear people say, I like a small church. And my question is always this. If your son was lost, would you still want a small church? Or would you have room for one more? If your daughter was lost, would you have room for one more? If your nephew was lost, would you have room for one more? If your father was lost, would you have room for one more? 
Oh, are we too self-righteous to say, I just want a tiny little place to call church. You know, with this whole issue with racism in our nation, and one of the most weirdest part of it is some of these people put the Christian label on themselves, which is really weird. It's like, you, you don't like Jewish people, but Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> it's like, do you know where you worship? Like, you, you need to get your theology straight. Right? Which is really weird, bizarre to think that people think that this God is only for certain people. Like you got to be really shallow and narrow-minded to think that way. And then to put a Christian label on top of it, like, like God will ever co-sign that? God will never co-sign that, ever. So if you think about it, right, if these people were right, which we know they're not, but heaven would be hell for them. Think about it. Because if they go to heaven, they're going to see blacks, white, Hispanics, Latinos, you know, Chinese. Like, they're going to see all type of people. It's going to be hell. Like, heaven would actually be hell for people who are racist. You know? Because the Bible says they're going to come from every tribe, every nation, every like, 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 it's an expensive kingdom. Right? And I think for people who are like tiny churches, heaven is going to be purgatory for them. It's like, I just wanted a little tiny thing. But God's like, no, I'm into saving the world. I'm after every single person I can possibly get. And every time one turns to me, there's a party going up in heaven. DJ, turn up the music. Let's celebrate. Because here's the reality. Nothing breaks God's heart more than seeing his children away from him. Just like nothing will break your heart if you have kids. Sometimes we got to take things closer to realize that. Nothing will break my heart more if one of my kids are not doing the will of God. And, and I'm a human being with limitations. And sometimes my love is very conditional. But here's a God who has unconditional love for humanity. And he keeps putting his word out every single day. There's not a day that the grace of God doesn't go forward to reach one more person. Can you say amen? So sheep... And shepherd relationship is, is, is an awesome thing. If you notice in the story, one particular observation is this. He said when he finds the lost sheep, what does he do? He says he grabs them, puts them around his shoulder, and carries it back home. That's a powerful thing that if you understand the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd, is that the shepherd knows their sheep. Like Jesus said, I know my sheep, and they know me. They know my voice. You know, it's an incredible study that, that a shepherd can have 100 sheep right here, and he knows each and every one of them. Like, for you, it would just be sheep. For me, it would just be sheep. Like, they're all the same. Like, what do you mean? But the shepherd has such a relationship with them that he knows every single one of them, and he knows which ones are more prone to. What up? So what he does is he takes them, he puts them around his, his, his shoulders for a reason. He puts them on his shoulders so the sheep can smell him closer. Because one of the ways that the sheep is able to know the shepherd is by smell, by the scent. 
So he's walking to, with him all way back to say, let's spend some close time together so next time you don't wander off. So you can remember the smell of your shepherd so you're not going astray again. So the whole point is that God wants to bring you very close to smell his grace, to smell his goodness, so you don't want to go anywhere else. And that's why we call this a relationship and not a religion. A religion would have been home. Can't believe you wanted. Relationship carries you. Just come close to me. I don't want you wandering anymore. I don't want you going astray anymore. I love you too much to leave you going astray. You can't always tell the difference between a person who is religious and a person who has a relationship with God. The way they talk. Religious people always criticizing. Always judging. Always sharp. Do you believe what she did? Girl, you better pray for her. Why? Because there's no intimacy there. There's no connection there. It's all about if you don't meet certain requirements, then we don't like you. I'm telling you, so, so it's the saddest thing about religion. It, 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 it messes with me. It breaks my heart because here's the part that really messes with me is that a lot of times I look like a Pharisee. And a lot of times you look like a Pharisee too. A lot of times we talk grace, but we act Pharisaic. Just being honest with you. A lot of times that's me. That's me. And so when I read Jesus, I'm not just reading Jesus to preach to you. It's preaching to me. It's telling me you got some Pharisee in you that you need to deal with to have a heart for people. Because if your first reaction is to always come down hard, maybe there's still some heart surgery that needs to be made for you to have a heart. You know what Jesus told the Pharisees? He says, man, you read the Bible, but you missed it. Man, that's sad. Like, when I read that, you know, my first thing is, God, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to read the Bible and miss it. He said, you mean, you guys knew the thing. You knew it upside down, but you missed the heart of it. He said, if you really got it, you would have had a heart of compassion and mercy and understanding and grace for others because you wouldn't be here without the grace of God. So sometimes I'm the Pharisee in the story. And that's, that's the power of reading scriptures. It, it reads you. Sometimes I relate more to the Pharisees than I relate to the people. Why? Because I lose sight of the grace of God. And I begin to embrace my self-righteousness instead of Jesus' righteousness. Come on, am I the only one? God wants us close to smell his grace, to smell his goodness, to smell his love. So we're not, we're not prone to wonder. Every time we do baby dedications, I always pray for these kids. That they don't have to go into the world to know how good God is. Like you're going to hear some gut-wrenching testimonies today. How much God comes after us. How much we make a mess of things. And that's awesome. But I think there's even better testimony to say, I didn't have to wonder. Because from the beginning, I understood the grace of God. And I stayed here. You know, I pray that that's our kids' testimonies. 
You guys will do kids' ministry. I pray that's what you're praying over, right? Children, every time you work with them, don't look at them as burdens. Don't look at them as, as something hard. No, look at them as, God, this is your, your kids. This is a generation of children we want to raise up in the house to have the heart for you, to have a heart for people. They don't have to go wander to have a testimony. Because I don't know about you. I want my kids to have a better testimony than I did. I pray my kids never have to do the things I did to get to where I am. I pray that our children are standing on our shoulders. That we raise the standards for them of living that's way higher than we can ever imagine or think. Can you say amen? I pray 10 years from now our church is going to be richly blessed with young people who have walked with Jesus from very young age. Jesus said, one repents, the whole heaven rejoices. You know what the word repentance is? The Greek word is metanoia, which means to change one's mind. Like, that's what repentance is. Change my mind. I don't want to live away from God anymore. Change my mind. The prodigal son says, what am I doing here? He had his moment. He says, in my father's house, man. I was blessed. Here I am eating with pigs. And in the Jewish tradition, that's, you can't go lower than that. And he says, I'm just going to run to my father's house. And he's rehearsing what he's going to say to his father. He's rehearsing. You know what he says? I'm going to earn my way back. Because that's what religion does. He says, I'm going to earn. But what does the father do? He sees him from far, runs to him. He says, Go get me the best robe. Go get me, go get me his ring, which was a symbol of, of, of sonship. Go, because go, my son is back home. We need to celebrate this moment. You're not going to work for this. I'm going to grace you. I'm going to grace you. I'm going to grace you with my love and understanding. Church, I pray that we are people who have been graced to grace others. Man, I pray that we are the people that always have an open mind, an open heart to others who have strayed. I pray that we have more compassion than we have judgmental mindsets. I pray that we are a reflection of Jesus to our people here in this city and in this region. I pray that we are his hands and feet. I pray that today it's not just about them. It's about all of us celebrating God's goodness over our lives. Can you say amen? My favorite, absolute favorite thing about Celebration Sunday is to hear the stories. Every, it gets me every time, and I'm like a puddle over here. You know what gets me? How unique all our stories are. And how this one God finds a way to reach every single one of us. Don't lose sight of your story. It's the greatest thing that you have. We can argue theology all day long. We can get into fights about theological debates, but no one can take away your story. You may not know the Bible at all, but do you know that Jesus loves you and he changed your life and he's rescued you and he's healed you and he's restored you? That's the greatest theological statement ever. In the Bible, there's a man that was blind. He was healed by Jesus. He didn't know Jesus because he was blind. Couldn't see. And I love his testimony. He said, listen, all I know is this. <laughs> They're like, who healed you? Pharisees again. Who healed you? It's like, wait, shouldn't you just be thanking God that this guy was blind and now he can see? You're worried about who healed him? Isn't it crazy how religious we can get? We lose sight of the miracle 
Shouldn't he be like, oh my God, you can see. You were blind. We want to know who healed you. Was it theologically correct way to heal? What? If you're blind, do you care how you got healed? I just want to be healed. Like one time Jesus grabbed mud, spit on it, and put on someone's eye. If you're blind, you're not going, Jesus, don't heal me like that. Is that aligned with the theological understanding of healing Jesus? If you're blind, you're not going, uh, was that King James Jesus? Was that New Living Translation Jesus? Was that ESV Jesus? What, 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 what understanding was that? The only people who think that's funny is religious people. They're like, they're tight. <laughs> but that's funny. We get so caught up on those stuff. I've heard people, what version of the Bible do you read? I, I'm pretty sure there's only one Bible. I'm pretty sure there's only one. Like, like I've done my homework. It's, there's just one. <laughs> what you worried about with the version? I'm pretty sure that the message is pretty clear. No matter what version you read. If you like King James, God bless you. Shakespeare, that's your thing? God bless you. I like New Living because I'm not that smart. I can't read King James. But I like to read New Living Translation. It's clear. My God. The stuff that we fight over. Who heals you? What? He was blind. Shouldn't you be celebrating a man who was blind? And he said, I love his testimony. Hey, Edison, I don't know. All I know is this. I was blind, but now I can see. Thank Jesus. Right? What is the theological standing of that church? Because they do some weird songs and they do rap music and stuff. I don't know. But people that get in healed, restored, saved, blessed. That's all we care about. That's all that matters. As Jesus rescued you here, give him some praise. Give him some worship this morning. That's all I care about. I don't care if you don't know all the 65 books. Actually, 66 if you count Leviticus. You know, but all I know is this Jesus comes alive every time we get together and we worship. And it's awesome. That's all that matters to me. That's all that matters to me. My God, Jesus is awesome. <laughs> that's, all he, that's all we care about. That's all we care about. There are churches that don't even see new people. Like you go to some churches, you stand out. Like a sore thumb, like they know. Anybody new with us? <laughs> that's my nightmare. I've always had this nightmare of being in a church where we... Always know who's there. That's scary to me. Another favorite thing of mine is there's not a day, my wife would say, there's not a day I don't walk into someone that goes, I go to your church. I'm like, praise God, I don't know you. But that's awesome because heaven would be like that. It would be thousands of people. We were a subway with our children in line. And, uh, and the woman behind me goes, oh my gosh, beautiful children. Are they all yours? I said, yeah, all five. It's my tribe. She goes, oh my gosh, that's awesome. My priest also has five children. And he's always bragging about them. And his name is Marco. I said, wow, that's amazing. I have five children. My name is Marco. And I think I'm a priest, maybe pastor. And she goes, oh my gosh, it's you. 
You look shorter up close. I don't know why she had to add that. I say, well, the way the way our seat's set up, maybe where you sit. I didn't say that. I was I was thinking that, you know. Then we were at Walmart. We getting checked out. We buying our stuff. We doing our thing, you know. Because when you have kids, you you have a lot of things. We get done. Woman looks up. That's checking us up. She goes. Yo, my pastor. I said, oh, oh my God. I didn't know. Can I get a discount? No, I didn't say. I didn't say. I didn't say, I didn't say that. But I think that's awesome. That Jesus is reaching people everywhere. That is an awesome thing. He loves people. He loves people. He loves you. I pray today, whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or or a day, my God, he loves you. Don't lose sight of that. He didn't love you because you came all. He loved you, period. He loved you. Now, you, you come as you are, right? But you don't stay as you are. He changes you. He heals you. He transforms you. But we got to give him time to do that. Right? They're accusing him of hanging out with sinners, but they don't realize Jesus didn't have with sinners to sin. Hello, somebody. Jesus wasn't smoking a blunt with them. Yeah, man. God's love, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, he wasn't doing that. His presence brought conviction to their lifestyle. Because he's like, I'll go to you and I love you, but I'm not going to do what you do. I want to bring you to do what we do together in Jesus' name. Jesus pursues us to transform us. Not to stay the same. There's a metamorphosis that takes place when you meet Jesus. And that takes time. That's why we always say, we're not maybe there yet, but we're on our way. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Today, my friends, as I end, is a great reminder for all of us about the grace of God and his goodness for all humanity. Grace of God is the only thing in life that levels the playing field. Because humanity has been categorized by how much money you make, the color of your skin, the neighborhood you live in, the car that you drive, the house that you have. All of that is humanity labeling each other. God looks down. All he sees is humanity needing to be rescued. He doesn't see black or white or Asian or Latino. He doesn't see New Bedford or Fay Haven. You can move away from New Bedford and still be you. <laughs> you know, that's the thing we don't understand. I can't wait to leave New Bedford. Where are you going to go to get away from you? Where? And I pray this morning as a church, we never stop throwing parties. I pray that we always keep seeing people getting saved so we can always be reminded that God is good. He loves people and he's for people and he pursued me just like he pursued you. And I pray as a church, we never stop pursuing the lost. I pray the Knights of Hope will bring countless new people to church. Because heaven is for everyone. And I pray our church is constantly active saying to God, use this Lord. 
Because I tell you what, if you stop searching for lost people, you are on your way to be a Pharisee. I can guarantee you that. You make church about you. Here's my pet peeve. Number one pet peeve about church is when people come and tell me what they want church to be about. It's like, didn't Jesus already establish what church needs to be about? Who were you? Last time I checked, you're not the Holy Spirit. You need to get in line with the vision of the church and embrace the vision of the church and stop telling people what you want the church to be all about. Who are you? Like, where, who, what credentials do you have to want to dictate what happens in church? The greatest thing that needs to happen in church is people being rescued over and over again. And you, and you being part of the rescue mission because once you are rescued, you become part of the rescue mission. Once Jesus gets you on his boat, he's not giving you on his boat to chill. He's getting you on the boat to say, okay, who else can we bring in to the fold? Can you say amen? Let today bring us back to that day. Do you remember that day when Jesus rescued you? Don't lose sight of that day. Were you all perfect? Were your theology all perfect? Or was it that you just cried out to him? And he rescued you. Don't become an older brother. He didn't go into the party. You know, some Christians don't go into the party. Because it's all about them. The father comes out of the party and says, Why are you out here? Don't you know this is about you too? It's about all of you. But today, he came home. You've been here all along. Everything is yours. Church. It's all ours. But we should have to celebrate one more person. One more person. Baptism. It's powerful. Dead. To the old life. Raised to a new one. You know, in Jesus, we all have an ex-something. All of us. If you don't have an ex-something, you haven't met Jesus. Ex-addict. Ex-suicidal. Ex-depressed. Ex-religious. Ex-self-righteous. Ex-prideful. Ex-fornicator. We can go on and on. We all have an ex before uh, we met Jesus. Right? Because that's the reminder of his grace. Right? I didn't get here on my own. The grace of God has got me here. And it's the grace of God that continues to empower me to live this life. And it's the grace of God that makes me want to celebrate when I see other people take their step to say, Jesus, you're still doing it, man. You're still, you're still doing it. You guys come up. When you don't hear God in your own life, look around you. Because God's speaking all around you right now. You have no idea who you're sitting next to. The life that's been transformed. Again, if you get a chance, double dip today. And get your heart re-energized by the grace of God. To say, my God, that's what you do. You rescue people. You heal people. You restore people. You save people. I get to be part of the bigger picture. It's not just about me. It's about the bigger picture. 
And I pray that energizes to go out and say, Lord, who else? Who else needs to come home? Because we need to keep throwing parties. Because we don't throw parties, we become grumpy. And we become dusty. And we become sour saints. And no one likes a sour saint. Saints should be people who are joyful, excited about life, and love life, and love people, and love everything about rescuing people from the pit of hell. We had to thank God for that. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.